Welcome to Rethinking Leadership, where we're serving fresh ideas over coffee, because nothing happens before coffee. I'm Jackie Lesser. And I'm Dee Yarrison. Grab your favorite mug and let us fill you up. Well, hello there, and welcome to episode two. We are happy to be, first of all, having our coffee. I know I am, because I needed another cup this morning, but also to be, yeah, also to be chatting about a conversation, about a, a topic today that I can say, probably for both of us, we're constantly working on this for ourselves and also with our clients, which is the topic of self-compassion. Yeah. Self-compassion, I'll tell you, that is a phrase that I didn't even understand until several years ago. It wasn't even part of my vocabulary. And I'm, and I'm wondering, maybe you want to start by sharing an example or story of what do we mean when we say self-compassion? Oh, yeah. yeah, you just gave me goosebumps. So okay. I, think, I think that's a great idea. It's <laughs> a great idea. I know for me, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't know what self-compassion was. I knew how to be compassionate to people in my life. You know, people going through things and walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, whatever the, the phrase is, but it, it's, it's more like, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes. So I could, I could do that and I could feel some empathy and, and compassion, but it felt really flat or not even considered when I thought about it for myself. And it probably wasn't until, um, my daughter Lauren, uh, was diagnosed with anorexia that I realized how my self-talk, how I was talking to myself in my mind, how mean and unloving mm. and unaccepting yeah. I was to myself. You know, when she got that diagnosis and, you know, all my, my whole world was sort of, I guess, uh, the rug was pulled out from under me and, of course, our family. But I think what happened was I just, I could hear myself. I could kind of observe myself talking in a way that's like, oh my God, it's all my fault. What did I do? I was blaming and shaming and feeling so guilty. And it was then that I realized, hold on a second. I mean, obviously I'm making this story shorter, but it was, it was, I remember the moment when I was, after I dropped her off at this um, facility called Renfrew, I remember the moment when I was so distraught and I put my hands on the steering wheel mm. and I, I put my head up against the steering wheel and I said, this has got to stop. And what I was talking about was how I was talking to myself. Mm. You know, this has got to stop. I have to, you know, I yeah. can't help her if I can't, you know, I can't find compassion and, and help her if I can't first forgive myself. Right. And obviously forgiveness is something different than compassion, but I had to start to even soften my ideas about myself toward myself. Yeah, right. Well, and I think yeah. the idea of being, I mean, forgiving ourselves is a very self-compassionate thing to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. And so how then, you know, engaging in that process of then changing your self-talk and your relationship with yourself it's quite a process, not just happens in a moment. And a practice. Mm -hmm. It's a practice. Right. That still is alive and well today, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me what impact being in a more self-compassionate relationship with yourself then had on Lauren or on your relationship with yeah. Lauren back? Yeah. Yeah, that's, 
It's a really good point. I What I noticed was as I started to be kinder to myself. So in other words, instead of, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're not a good mom, which by the way, I really thought that mm-hmm. you're not a good mom. And as I started to think, you know what, you may have made some decisions that, or maybe have said things that, you know, you wish that you had said differently, but you were doing the best you could. Or I would start to talk to myself a little bit more lovingly. And what I noticed was I got less desperate. There was a less of a desperate feeling about my role as savior or as person who was going to fix it. And as I backed up, because I was just being kinder to myself, mm-hmm. I noticed that Lauren started to morph a little bit, started to change a little bit, started to be a little bit more open to her treatment and open to her recovery. You know, I was no longer taking responsibility for it out of blame and shame right. and guilt. So she started to open up to her own recovery and take her own responsibility for her herself. Yeah. It was like that. It was, you know, reminds me of that, um, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Uh, uh-huh. And I really, I, you know, number one, so many gifts came out of that understanding of self-compassion and the practice of it. And they still to this day keep continuing to come because I'm still practicing. But I really noticed that my relationships overall have gotten to be more authentic, more honest. Uh, they've had the opportunity to get deeper. And I feel happier. I feel more lined up. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and Lauren, and Lauren, you know, I probably said this in the last podcast, Lauren is thriving. Yeah. So. Yes. Oh, and by the way, too, she's got a lot more compassion for herself sure. now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Because we teach them. We teach, yeah. you know, they're learning from us even when we don't know that we're teaching them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. For me, I, I like to think of self-compassion as this idea that I'm simply extending to myself the same kindness and caring as I would to anyone else. You talked about telling yourself a lot of things, what you did wrong, how bad of a mother you are and different things like that. And, you know, and I think of the way I used to live before I formed a more self-compassionate relationship with myself. And the way I lived with myself was in a very critical relationship, never enough. I never, ever did enough, accomplished enough, you know, had enough, and was very quick to remind myself of that all the time. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize. I think that's the craziest part about being in relationship with ourself. Think about it. Everywhere I go, there I am. I, I go with me every day through my whole life. And uh, for a very long time, I was taking along with me this person who was always quick to judge and quick to criticize in my right ear, right? It's like, boy, Mariah Fenton Gladys, who's the founder of the Pennsylvania Gestalt Center, who I'm certified with, she says about self-compassion, pretend that that I'm coming along with you today and I'm going to be sitting next to you all day long. And every thought that you think in your head, you're going to say out loud to me, How's my day going to be? (laughs) How am I going to feel at the end of that day? (laughs) So when we think about taking our self-talk and like saying it to another person, we would never, you know. True. But why is it okay to say it to myself? Michael Singer wrote a, a wonderful book called The Untethered Soul. And in that book, he said that you have that voice, you know, kind of with you all the time, obviously. He said, if you took that voice like Mariah suggested and put it outside your body and you sat with it all day long, 
you would never be friends with that person. Right. You would want to break up with that person. You would want to never see that person again and get that person out of your life. And can you imagine? This is like what we're what we're walking around with, like you said. So uh-huh. I, I think if, if you want to take a deeper dive into learning about that, read the book, um, The Untethered Soul by Yeah, and I love that idea that what we're talking about, you know, I would never be friends with this person. Another way that I like to think about self-compassion and and just my relationship with me, as I said, I'm taking me with me everywhere I go. She's coming too. So how do I want that to be? And I decided a long time ago that I want to have a good friend with me everywhere I go. Now, I want to have someone who cares about me and who I can trust has my best interest at heart and is going to encourage me when I feel down, not, you know, hit me even harder, knock me down even more. So I got busy about learning how to authentically befriend myself. Mm. Um, And I think self-compassion is really at the root of that. Yeah, I love that, Dee. That sounds wonderful. And, you know, I think often, too, I think you alluded to it before about not enough. I think perfection is the enemy of self-compassion. You know, it's the antithesis of that. A striving for perfection, because it's, it's a myth. We will, nothing, this side of heaven, right, is perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, when we put that up as our beacon we're aiming for, it's just we're guiding ourselves in a false direction and to a destination we will never arrive at. When I speak to women, I speak to a lot of women's groups, I mean, it's so universal. As I describe this relationship and the spiral, and I put a backpack on, and I've got all my stuff in my backpack, and what am I carrying around on my back? And I start pulling stuff out of it, and it's all this judgment, and it's so mm-hmm. heavy, and everyone is just like, oh my gosh, me too, you know? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. wow, what an image. Yeah. <laughs> when I think about, you know, if, if you really... Well, first of all, I'm going to say something um, about my personal uh, experience with compassion, my practice, I mean, and that is that I was walking in Bed Bath & Beyond, and I came upon the section with the mirrors and the pictures, and, you know, they've got a, a whole section with, like, feel-good stuff, you know, inspiration. And I came upon this uh, frame, it's probably, I don't know, you know, 12 by 12, 11 by 12, something like that. And it's just this white frame and within it is writing that says, all of me loves all of you. I need this. <laughs> so for $29.99, less my 20% <laughs> coupon, um, I purchased this, this picture, this framed declaration and this framed commitment. And I put it in my closet. I hung it up in my closet. Because every day, every day I'm in my closet, you know, either putting on clothes, taking off clothes. I put, you know, the laundry away or I, you know, I'm running in to get something. And I can also see it. If my closet door is open, I can also see it from my bed. So, and believe me, I absolutely, as much as I've delved into this, I need that every day. Because it's as simple as not liking the way you look in your pants or not, you know, feeling that the shirt is too tight or not, it doesn't look right or bad hair day or whatever you want to call it. You know, it happens on the physical or it could also happen when you're not feeling great about yourself emotionally Mm. or mentally or spiritually. Just remembering, wait a second, at the core, all of me. Mm-hmm. loves all of you 
Yeah, wow. And you just brought up a word for me that I think goes so hand in hand with self-compassion, and that is self-acceptance. I think that's the ultimate in compassion giving to ourselves is just accepting. I accept me. You know, all of me loves all of you. All of me accepts all of you. Yes. No matter what. No matter what. I call I call um, that kind of acceptance unconditional love. And I also call it no matter what love. No matter what. We interrupt your listening to let you know that from this point through to the end of the recording, we experienced a technical issue that impacted our sound quality. We believe, however, that the content of this recording warrants listening all the way through it anyway. We hope you'll stay with us, and we now resume the podcast. Even though you feel like your jeans are too tight, even though you feel like you messed up on that presentation, even though, you know, that client decided not to hire you, I love you anyway. I love you always. All of me loves all of you, no matter what. Wow. And so, you know, I just want to pose a question here. What would it be like to be able to say that to yourself and really mean it? What is it like to say to to me, D, I love you unconditionally. D, I accept you in those genes, without that client engagement, I accept you. What does that do for me? How is it to say that? How is it to say it? Because giving that type of unconditional love and acceptance is one thing, right? It may not always feel easy to give. And how is it to receive it? Mm. You know, that we all have in us the giver and the receiver. And will you, right? Will you let yourself? And I right. I, I think that's a yeah. really good point because I know that I have heard, you know, once upon a time, I I can't even remember how long ago, you know, somebody suggested, look in the mirror, look in your eyes, look at you, look into your eyes and mm-hmm. say, Jackie, I love you. Or just, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it was very difficult mm-hmm. for me to do that. And I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I certainly wasn't receiving it. That's right. Um, at the time. And now, because I understand what an integrated life is. And an integrated life means it's a holy, a whole life, right? It's a, it's a life where you accept all the parts of yourself. The part that feels like she's guilty. <laughs> the part that feels like she's not enough, you know, not a good enough mother. The part that feels like she's not a good enough coach at times or the, or the part that feels angry at her partner or the part that feels neglected or, you know, or in, whatever. All the parts yeah, have to come back into it. the whole. In order for me to have the fullest experience possible. And so accepting all these parts and bringing them back in to the whole really enables you to receive that message. Mm -hmm. And so when I, I can honestly tell you, I can be feeling really crappy, right? And then I look at that or I remember, well, especially looking at it, something about that visual. Anyway, I'll, I'll look at that sign and when I look at it and I read it, my first reaction is, oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel so accepted. Yeah. And I feel, I, it's, it's almost as if consciousness, you know, or myself with a capital S, if you want to say, you know, is the one taught, the one saying that, you know? So I don't know, for some reason, maybe because there is a practice, you know, day in and day out, you, you do come to be very willing to receive it. And my energy changes. My energy changes, like all of a sudden I shift out of that 
poor, poor me, woe is me, not enough me, into, oh, here I am. Yeah. I'm fully, I'm fully <laughs> available, right? Now I can, yes. now I can make that phone call. Now I can see that client. Now I can, you know, put the rest of my clothes on, you know, whatever. Um, yes. And feel differently. I feel differently after that. Right. It is one of those things that I, I like to say it's so simple and it's not easy. Yes. You know? Yeah. But what, but how worth it, right? It's such mm-hmm. a powerful, it's transformational. I, I used to, I mean, just even the thought of having a relationship with myself, like, what What do you mean? Of course I have a relationship with myself. But being intentional in that and all that we've been saying thus far is so transformational. It has enabled me to do so many things that I probably would not have, I would have talked myself out of doing yeah. because I wasn't going to be able to do it perfectly. Right, right. Or, you know, just too vulnerable um, to even give it a try even to experiment with it because what if not only you couldn't do it perfectly but what if somebody saw you not doing it perfectly that's right what would they think so i think part of self-compassion is the willingness to re-relate you know maybe re-engineer the relationship that you have with your idea of yourself yes Yes, that is so important. And I do want to acknowledge the fact, I think it's a fact, that for for many people, the idea may feel foreign. Redesigning my relationship with me. How do you start? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the the place to begin is just kind of like in this conversation. It's, it's, It's awareness. It's, you know, if you're not feeling good, if you're in a mood um, that that feels sullen or sad or or uh, depressed or whatever, just take a second and think about what you're saying to yourself. If you're in a mood that's really happy, you know, you feel joyful, you feel good. Take a moment and see what is it I'm, I just said to myself. Yeah. So you, you, it's almost like my my suggestion is to take make it a practice to kind of follow yourself around with more consciousness. Right. You know, listen yeah. to that self-talk. That's right. I like to say, you know, the first step is to become an observer of yourself. So imagine that you're, you know, you're watching yourself from over here as you move through your life and you're noticing feelings, whether they be anger and frustration or joy and elation, happiness, contentment, and take your journal, your notebook with you everywhere and be willing to take a moment and sit and think about my thinking because my thinking is my talk, my self-talk. As I think a thought, it's me talking to myself. So I'm basically talking to myself all day long through all the thoughts that I think. And it's really powerful to take those thoughts that nobody else knows. So maybe I don't, maybe I'm not even fully aware of them to stop, look, listen, and then write them down. And all of a sudden they're out there in black and white. And it's just a powerful observation to become more aware of what am I telling myself all day long. And, and I especially like to tell clients, you know, clients, friends, family, myself, anybody, think about situations where you, as a pattern, you feel that feeling of, like Jackie was saying, I call it dissonance, you know, whether you feel down or depressed or just disconnected, out of sync. If there's situations that you know, historically, you know, you've had that feeling in them or after them, start there, write down, let's get clear on what's my inner conversation like about those situations or those relationships. And I want to say also that beginning of the year, I took an online course and 
one of the beginning exercises was to watch yourself like a hawk. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, here I've been doing this kind of work. I've been on this journey of my life for, it'll be 55 years. And I, I started this 40-day process in the beginning, let's say, first, I don't know, maybe, you know, 10 or 12 days. It, the, your assignment is to watch yourself like a hawk. That's great. And yeah. I was shocked. Like, kind of like what Mariah was saying, but I was shocked to see, number one, what my thoughts were and how many grievances I had, how much judgment was in my thoughts. So about myself, obviously, and, you know, grievances with every person out there and grievances with, I was shocked because I, I consider myself a fairly peaceful kind of Zen personality, Yeah. right? But that's yeah. the image. That's the idea I'd like to have of myself. But yes. in fact when I was watching myself like a hawk, it became very, very uncomfortable. So I'm telling you this because as you start to observe yourself, you know, there's a chance that, you know, someone who's new or not new to self-observation is going to be quite uncomfortable. Right. And, and, you know, and so do this with a buddy, you know, don't go into this neighborhood by yourself. It's dangerous. <laughs> Because, um, because I was doing this 40-day course um, with, with my cousin, actually, and it was so helpful to start to talk about what we're noticing about the way we think and some of the thoughts that we've had um, that we were, were probably there all along, but we were just unaware of. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it comes with a warning label, the self-observation. Oh, yeah. That's right. And because our topic is self-compassion, also maybe even extending compassion around the exercise, you know, meaning it's okay. Whatever your thoughts are, it's okay. That's I, right. I have some horribly judgmental thoughts at times about myself or my husband or my clients or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's okay because it's, it's so helpful to know what they are and to be aware because only then can I truly be intentional about how I want to change that, right? Exactly. So the awareness, exactly. it's like we have to step into the awareness piece in order to get to the transformation piece. That's so right. It may feel scary and dangerous and, you know, go in with a buddy and, and go in. You can do it, right? That's right. And also, like you said, I think that that's key, the component of compassion and cultivating that compassion while you're in observation because that is the first step to making change. Yeah. Right. And let, let me say one more thing about like, what's the second step? So you've, you've done this and you've written down, you're getting some clarity around, wow, this is what I tend to tell myself uh, every afternoon, right before the kids come home from school or whatever it is. And what I like to think about doing is coming up with something else that I'd like to say to myself that is also true or that feels more true. So we're not saying, like, I'll give an example. I used to tell myself if I was, didn't want to finish something or was having a difficulty with a project, just have to get it done. Just suck it up and deal with it. Just keep going. Very mean and critical. Mm. And what I did not do was say, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's okay. You don't have to finish it if you don't want to, because that's maybe not true. So what I learned to do was to just acknowledge and say, this is really difficult right now, isn't it, Dee? You know, you're not having fun with this project. Oh, that's okay. I hear you. I'm with you. You know, so it's just an acknowledgement of what is. Boy, oh, these thoughts are great. pretty critical, aren't they? It's okay. That's great. That's so, that is so important. 
just acknowledging, not trying to change it. This is part of the acceptance, yeah. which is so compassionate, you know, which is, <clears throat> yeah, this, this really feels hard right now. Yes. I get it, yeah. you know, and, and I know that you feel like you need a break because it's not, self-compassion isn't about letting yourself off the hook. That's right. It's about, you know, moving through your life with, the, with intention and kindness and love and uh, extending it, you know, of course, outward, but also inward. Right. And so I think that's really important. That's a great point. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And learning that, so this thing that I thought I couldn't do and I didn't want to do and it's so hard, when I, as I partner with myself in a new way and acknowledge it, this really feels tough right now and it, you need a break. Next thing I know, my willingness is different. As I come alongside myself, I find perhaps new courage there because I'm not alone and I'm not being pushed and berated and whipped from behind, right? And and so lo and behold, an unanticipated outcome of giving myself compassion is that I was able to act in ways that felt more courageous to me and accomplish things that I didn't think I would yes. and be unafraid oh. to try certain things that, yeah, yeah it was some beautiful, un- unexpected side effects, let's say. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That it's, yeah. And, you know, the other thing too is... Um, the you know people worry sometimes about oh if I'm too nice to myself I'll just you know lay on the couch the whole time <laughs> you know and that's that's not the, if I don't feel like doing it I won't do it but that's not the case necessarily sometimes it's just I know this is hard right now why don't you take a walk why don't you get out in nature you know to give you it's like an, that booster shot of energy so that you can come back with fresh right. eyes. And giving ourselves permission to do that is mm-hmm. really big, I've learned, for, for myself and for others. Just saying, it's okay to take a break, Dee. Go for a walk. Take five minutes or an hour or whatever you need right now. You know, we, we design it. I design it with myself. Giving myself yeah. permission to take the break is really very kind and compassionate and freeing. Oh, there's such freedom that comes with this, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I think what what I would love for us to do now is recap. First, you know, we talked about um, this idea of self-compassion, which was, as you so beautifully said, you know, befriending yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend, uh, authentically. And then part of that is really being willing to accept all the parts of yourself, all the aspects of yourself. Give yourself the unconditional love that you might give your child or you know, some other people or, or animals you know, that are important to you in your life. And we talked about self-observation. You know, how do you get to this self-compassion, self-acceptance? How do you even know where to start? And you said, you know, we have to first observe our thoughts. Right, really, really watching ourselves. I, I use the the, I, the idea of watching yourself like a hawk, right? But with compassion, yeah. You know, being gentle and with a buddy, and with a buddy, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like listening to that self talk, and then replacing it with something that is much kinder and much gentler. Doesn't mean it won't you won't still strive and thrive and all. That. It is, but it's going to be with ease and grace rather than with suffering. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah. And, you know, just to finish that thought off, I think whenever there's judgment, whenever we're judging, it's the antithesis of compassion. And there's 
always suffering with judgment. You know, with compassion, there's kindness and there's love and acceptance. Ex exactly. And it's, it really is a life changer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My wish for you is to um, that you will play with this idea, or at least you know think on it and consider it. This idea of self compassion, and we'll, we'll put up the resource page, the book that Jackie mentioned, and I have a couple of blog posts that I've written about self compassion, and um, give you plenty of resources to look at to help you get started with this idea if it feels like the right time, and just wish you all the best in your relationship with you. We're so glad that you were here with us today, listening to Rethinking Leadership, serving fresh ideas over coffee. You can connect with Jackie Lesser on JackieLesser.com, and you can connect with me, Dee Yarrison, at EssentialShiftNow.com, and we'll see you next time.